You're listening to the On The Rise podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs as we make our way to the top. Here is your host, known as the property shark, Mr. John Lee. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's John Lee here, also known as the Property Shark. And today we have Luis with us today, joining us all the way from Puerto Rico, USA. Luis, thank you so much for for being here, brother. Thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm excited to dive into your journey. Honestly, you you have um, a lot of experiences under your belt in, in different areas of expertise, but uh, for our listeners that don't know about you, could you give them a a quick introduction about yourself? Sure. So my name is Luis uh, Rios, and uh, first off, I'm a combat veteran. I served in the U.S. Army for 10 years. I did multiple tours in Iraq. Uh, Two years there, I went to Afghanistan on a poppy eradication program. So for the beginning of my my adult life, I spent 10 years uh, working in um, pretty much Department of Defense, you know, working in uh, military stuff. So that's spent the first, you know, part of my, you know, 10 years. A lot of a lot of the viewers, or a lot of the guys on the internet are a little bit younger. So you guys were like maybe three or four at the time. Uh, but uh, after the military, I, um, I, I ventured into sales, went to college, got to travel a lot to Israel and travel all around the world. And um, Kind of took me into, like I said, sales, and then moved online, and that's how uh, I developed now and made a lot of new guys. That's amazing, Louise. And and for you personally, um, when you were kind of in your uh, early twenties, or kind of for your for your first part of your adult life, uh, you were in the military. Uh, was there a particular reason that that drove you towards? Oh that? yeah, yeah. That's a great question. Actually, um, 9-11. What, what year were you born in, bro? 1995. Oh, okay. 1995. You look really young. How old? So that make you... 20, you know? 24. Turn 24. 24. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, so uh, 2001. I think maybe you were like five or six happened. Uh, yeah. 9-11, right? So 9-11 happened and I was going to college actually to study uh, animation. But uh, like 9-11 happened and I really uh, wanted to you know, do my part for the country. So... That's really what pushed me to, to go serve. So that's what, how I ended up going to war because I really wanted to help my country take care of it. So that's what it was at that young age. I was like 19, 18 or 19. So that's what got me to join. That's amazing. And prior to that, you were, you were already in, in college and all of a sudden. Yeah, actually, I was about to start college. Um, did, all the, did everything to start college and I was going to go. But like, you know. I saw that I woke up one morning and I, I was late in the afternoon when it would happen, but I woke up, I saw it on TV. I saw that, you know, the twin towers going down and I, I was in awe. I was in shock. I was crying even. Um, and I, most everybody in my family was in the military. It was something I was already thinking about my father, my, my cousins, everyone, but that really gave me the push to say, you know, I can't just sit here while these guys are destroying our, you know, our country and do nothing. So that's why I joined, but uh, it's a great experience. I got to, to serve my country. I went to war to Iraq, like I said, twice. And it really developed my character as a person. Um, but it was a great experience. Uh, it was amazing. Got to jump from helicopters, got to work with special forces guys, 
all kinds of crazy stuff that really helped me in life and, and business now. So I, I love the experience that I had. That's, that's really amazing how uh, an event that happened, you know, what was so close to you and, and that kind of led you down a different trajectory than, than what you were supposed to be doing, which is right, going right. to college. Yeah. Yeah. I did go to college afterwards for something completely different. Yeah. I got my degree in counterterrorism studies, uh, but I was going to be an animator. I wanted to, I, I always loved the, back then when Toy Story came out and all this, I really wanted to be an animator. I loved, still do love art and all this stuff. But I completely went the opposite way. And from your experience, you know, serving uh, in the military and, you know, props to you for that, because a lot of the times, you know, people see that, but they don't really know what it's like for for someone who's in the army. Um, And we try our best to to pay our respect uh, to people, you know, that that are serving our country. Uh, But for you, what was the biggest takeaway from your experience um, in the army? Great questions. You got really good questions, brother. So the biggest takeaway for me, and I still live it to this day, is that, you know, um, I came so close to just leaving this planet. I mean, bombs would blow up all the time. They shot up my truck. Uh, I came so close to just like dying that the biggest takeaway for me was that people don't, you know, they don't realize or they forget that you really only have one life to live. You, it's only one chance you get here. And uh, every day I try to do something that will get me closer to my purpose. And I believe my purpose is to elevate people um, through services, you know, like selling and coaching and and press and different things that I do. But that's the biggest takeaway that, you know, you only live once. It's legitimate. People forget. They get caught up in the hustle and bustle of life. Uh, You know, they just completely forget. They just just think you're here. You're never going to go anywhere else. Um, But that's the biggest takeaway. And And I don't take that for granted. Life's a gift. Um, and I try to, you know, pay back to the universe as much as I can every day. And for, for our young listeners that are tuning in kind of in their early 20s, uh, you know, might be thinking of joining the military because it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of cool or because they have family influence or, or maybe right, there right. was a certain event, life event that occurred that, that drove them to that route. Um, what would be kind of your, your piece of advice uh, for, for the younger generation and you know some of the challenges that that you face because you know there's a lot of great things that you took away but i'm sure it wasn't uh, an, an easy journey absolutely yeah yeah definitely with the war so anybody who really wants to join no matter what country they're in if they're you know anywhere in the states or somewhere else i you know i urge them if they really want to do it to do it because they want to um and uh you know to be prepared because there is a lot of challenges um and to do that for the right reasons and try to get all the skills that they can while they're there and take any advantages. I know in the U.S. Army, they give you a lot of, uh, that's how I went to college, they give you a lot of advantages to go to school. I would take the advantage of going to school. Uh, hopefully, if you're not in a war zone, uh, you know, if you're back home, take as many college courses as you can, get an education, get any kind of skills, uh, you know, computer skills, anything that you can actually transferably use. Uh, because there's the ch- one of the challenges when I left the military was that I had to learn all these new skills and then you know, I left in the 2000, uh, active duty in 2012, the internet was still developing. Uh, it is what it is now even more. So I had to learn all those skills. So I say that if you're in the service, any, any country, especially United States, to try to get all the skills uh, that you can. So when you get out, you can transfer them, even try to get college degrees as a backup. Entrepreneurs, we will, you know, some of us have, some of us don't, but it's not bad to have. Uh, you learn a lot of things in college. Um, 
And one of the biggest challenges for me, um, mostly because I was very young when I went in, and it was um, probably that, probably that I went to war, and that was challenging, like scary and everything, and, you know, firefights. Uh, but what was more challenging was after I left, making sure that, you know, I had skills that I could transfer and I had to reinvent myself uh, because, you know, you get out in the workforce, nobody, you know, you're a soldier, what are you going to do? You can't, unless you're just going to be a security guard, which no, nothing against that. But if you want to make a high income skill, you got to develop skills. So, but yeah, that's what I would tell people that to go for the right reasons and develop as many skills as you can while you're in so that when you leave, you can transfer them over. And, uh, when you were on the battlefield, you know, you mentioned a, a couple of near-death incidents that occurred. Uh, was there a particular moment that, that really stood out to you when you were on the battlefield that you remembered vividly, whether it was a good experience or bad experience or just the one that, that stood out the most? Yeah, one of the, uh, there's a lot of them, but uh, one of them is that it's a funny story now. Uh, but not at the moment. So we were coming back into a base in Iraq, in Mosul, and we started getting shot at from the left side. And it was nighttime, so they had tracer rounds, you can see. So they started to, I saw the tracer rounds in front of the truck, um, and I was driving that truck. Um, and then I heard like, 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 you know, pinging in the back, and I actually thought I got, like, I physically got hit. Now my truck did in the back. This one was up armored, this was a second tour, so I, I didn't actually get hit, but I thought I did because I was so stressed. I got on the radio. I thought I got hit. And uh, <laughs> it was funny. It's funny now. It wasn't so funny then. They took me out of the truck. We got on the base. They threw me on the ground. They checked me. They're like, you haven't been hit. What are you talking about? You're okay. I was just so, you know, stressed um, that the drilling you know, had like a panic attack because I actually thought I got shot, uh, which weeks later, everybody would, I'd go to formation. We all stand there and everybody would like jokingly like, yeah, I've been hit. I've been hit. Like a joke. You can joke about it later. So it's still funny to me now. Uh, but that that was one of the most one of them. And there was a lot of different instances. I would drive. We were driving. I, I did a lot of convoys, and uh, you know things would blow up behind me or in front of me or shooting around. But luckily, God saved me. Took care of me. Where I, I you know, I, I physically didn't have any damage to me. But that was one of the times that was like uh, one of the most you know biggest experiences that I actually thought I got hit because I saw the rounds around, I heard them on the truck. Uh, but, you know, in light of it, we make my buddies, and still today, because I'm still friends with them, we, we, we laugh about it. And, you know, they say the joke, uh, I've been hit, I've been hit. So this, it was big experience, but funny in the end. That's crazy. Like, like when, when, you, when you have someone that has went through that versus an, an outsider who's maybe seen the combat scenes on a movie or, or, or not, it just so, it feels so much more surreal. Like I, I was, I'm kind of in that moment with you. Right, right. And, and so uh, when it came to the point where you decided to um, step out from the army and transition, uh, man, I just can't imagine how challenging that must have been. What a good or bad when you, when you had to make that decision. Um, was there a particular reason that you just felt like, okay, I've done my, my job and now, you know, now it's, it's about, you know, my, my future, my, my ambitions, my... Yeah, mostly because I kept going to war so much. <laughs> I had been, uh, I'd gone to like uh, Iraq twice and I, then I spent two years in Afghanistan, but I was on a special program where I'd go in every three months. So I, did, I went back like more than, more than six times. So uh, I think I felt like at that time I'd done my part. I'd, I'd served my country. I'd seen enough um, and it was getting pretty dangerous. 
So I thought it was, you know, time just to move on with my life, to take those skills uh, and, you know, just transfer them into another part of my life. But it, like I said, it's, it made me who I am. Uh, it's, it, I've developed, you know, and everything I do, it's helped me in my life. But uh, I thought it was just time to move on and use those skills, you know, for the future of my life. And from your point of view, uh, how did you keep such a positive and uh, optimistic and grounded mindset when you were transitioning? Because it is like night and day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mostly was I had I still have and I had and I still have a lot of gratitude that I survived that experience. And that the number of times that I was in those different situations that I was at, I am able, but I walked away from it. And um, I think that's what keeps me uh, positive and optimistic. Although we all have challenges, none of us are happy go lucky all day, but uh, it, that's what really, you know, set me up for a positive attitude to go towards anything in life. Like, you know what, man, I went to a freaking war. I didn't die. Uh, I can do my business. I can do this. I can learn how to sell. I can do pretty much anything if I went to a war and I didn't get blown up. So I think that's one of the way, one of the reasons that I stay optimistic, stay positive, And I transfer it to my students when I'm coaching people that, Hey, it's not a big deal. Nobody's shooting at you. Um, you're going to be okay. Worst case scenario, somebody's going to say no to you or you're going to fail and get up and try again. I love that, man. And especially during right now, uh, I, you know, with COVID and, and the special times right now, it's, it's easy to, to get lost. And it's easy for people to focus on the negativity. But, you know, when, when you say that you come from an abundance and gratitude mindset, uh, that, that, really, that, that really inspires me personally. Um, and and I, so I even recently, I even recently, ha uh, I, I don't know if I got to tell you, uh, two months ago, I traveled on a business trip to New York and I contracted COVID. I was in the hospital for like two weeks, uh, almost, almost died then. Again, having gratitude, I didn't. Uh, so, you know, challenges happen all the time. So, you know, I, I got to survive that one as well. Thank God. That's crazy. You didn't tell me about that, but... Yeah, I forgot about man. it. But, but yeah, I've, I've been interviewed on the news about it a couple of times. It's not a big deal anymore because so many people have had it. I mean, and I'm, I mean, it's a big deal to people because there's a lot of people losing their lives. But I mean, I, I was on a couple of interviews about it. So uh, there's a lot more survivors now. But I was one of the first cases here in Puerto Rico about it. And also it gave me a lot of gratitude afterwards because I have like uh, I have high blood pressure and stuff like that. So I was also underlining conditions where they were really worried about me. Like the doctor told me at one point, like, um, we really don't know. We hope you're, we hope you're going to make it, which was stressful, you know. But thankfully I did. Thank God I, I lived through it, which gives me another set. Rather than be depressed about it and say, oh, uh, you know, I, I almost died. I'm happy that I didn't. And I used that just like I did when I was in the war. So. That's, I, I'm really grateful that, you know, we're sitting here today and doing this yeah. uh, interview because man, it's, yeah, just, you just never know. Hey, that's life. And you just, you got to take it in and turn that into good energy and, and use that to your advantage because we, we can't control, you know, what happens to us. Absolutely. And, and so um, I know you, you kind of took, your, your skill sets and you transferred it in school, but, but I'm curious to, to see uh, why you decided to pursue sales and kind of what was the first opportunity that, that you got in sales? So i kind of fell into sales. Uh, I always was a, a person that was like, Oh, sales, sales. Like, you know, nobody wants to be sold or be that salesman. You know, people have a bad, uh, you know, 
reputation. Yeah. Reputation about it. Um, so after college, I uh, took a break and I went to um, Spain and Europe and um, my girlfriend at the time, which is my wife now, um, she worked in sales. Uh, they were like uh, high-end luxury cosmetic stuff and I just needed a job. So I figured I'd try it. Um, I was pretty good at it and kept developing in sales, moved into different industry, uh, moved into the medical devices, um, sold to doctors, traveled around the country, ended up selling, you know, um, not such large tickets like $20,000, $40,000 because there's people that sell even larger tickets than that. But I, you know, I was able to dominate a skill to learn how to sell high ticket items and provide services and just, you know, it was pretty much by accident. But I really enjoyed it because um, I actually just did a, um, an article. I wrote an article uh, from Jared. Jared uh, works with Grant Cardone. I don't know if you know him. Uh, and he's a, sale, he's, he's a vice president of sales over there. So I was asking him why he loves sales so much. And he was telling me, you know, you pretty much control your own uh, paycheck. You know, you'll never be out of a job, even in COVID time. As long as there's services to be provided, you always have a job. So over the course of 10 years, I, I also noticed the same thing. And that's why, you know, sales has been good to me because uh, no matter what you can, if you can go from zero to, uh, you know, a million, if you, if you have the right deal uh, with sales. So that's why I, I picked it. It actually kind of picked me and it worked pretty well for me. That's really cool. That's, I, and I know you've interviewed, uh, you know, we'll get into that later. Uh, Mark Cuban, Bobby Castro too, uh, amazing, successful individuals. But for for you, um, when you got into sales, did you have any sales background prior to it? Nothing and, besides selling candy when I was a kid. I mean, nothing. nothing. nothing and so, how did you um, learn about sales? So I, re I read a lot of books. I did. I read a lot of books. Uh, <clears throat> most recently, I had read uh, like Grant Cardone stuff. But even before that, I. I read a lot, mostly it was mindset. I think a lot of mindset mindset helped uh, because I think it's people, if you're going to get into sales, you really got to have the mind for it, the structure. Uh, some, it's just some people can't do it. They, they want a normal paycheck. A lot of sales jobs are just commission. Uh, so I just read a lot of books. And when I spoke with people, I was genuine from my heart and genuine about what I was doing and spoke to them like I would want to be spoken to when somebody would approach me about a product. So I provided the, you know, I, the need. You know, I told them, hey, these are the reasons you need it. And this is why you should have it. And, and then I'll get an objection. I tell them, well, why don't you try this and this and that? And kind of learn progressively that way, you know. Um, things have changed online. It's still the same thing. I think providing the need is the base of selling always. Uh, and that value of whatever it is you have is of more value than the money that they have to give you, right? So it's like a no brainer, like give me a hundred bucks or give me a thousand bucks or 10,000 bucks for whatever I give you. Cause what I'm giving you is worth more than that. So that's kind of like I learned over time with reading a lot of books, a lot of experiences, you know, trial and errors, but that's how I figured out about sales. That's amazing. And to your point too, uh, do you think people fail in sales because it's just not meant for them or they don't have the right mindset to approach it? Yeah, I think they're kind of the, I think they're the kind of the same, um, that you have to have the mindset. So if you don't have the right mindset, then it's not going to be for you. Right. So you've got to understand that you, when you're in sales, uh, especially if you're in commission based sales, like you are your own, even if you work for a company, it's like your own business. 
You're a salesman, you should look at it like this is my business and that's the mindset you have to have. If you're not the kind of person that's, you know, uh, likes to be completely, and it's okay, you know, some people want to have a boss. Some people want to have that structure and know, hey, I don't care, I want to do A to B and A to Z and I'm getting my paycheck. And that's cool. So it's not for everybody, but if it's for you, then, then yeah, it's really good. That's, that's, that's really amazing how you were able to kind of jump into sales and, you know, it kind of found you and, and you slowly learned as you, you grew. Um, a lot of people say you have to be passionate and believe in the product that you're selling. Do you, do you think that's right? Like, do you, do you feel like you, you have to love what you're selling or is it more of learning how to communicate the value to other people? So yeah, so it's a little bit of both, but like ethically, you always want to do something that you're selling something that's, you know, uh, it's ethically and morally correct. But let's, let's, I mean, let's be real. Like there's some things that people aren't, you know, like if you're selling mesh, you know, mesh is something that's uh, for people when they have surgery to doctors and this, I mean, you're not, how can you be passionate? Besides that, you're going to be saving lives, you know, but mesh is like something they use in hernias, right? So uh, if you're very knowledgeable about the product and you know, it's top notch, Maybe you're not so passionate about, you know, mesh because it's, you know, it's, it's a medical device, you know, it's a medical use, you know, you can't be going around. I don't see somebody saying they're so passionate about that, but if you're passionate that you know that it's going to help people and you know that it's a good product and you, you can fall behind your own passion or that you're doing something, you know, morally and ethically correct. I think, I think that's a very good point. Uh, the morally and ethically correct part. And, and you mentioned it multiple times as well. I, I feel like th that's, that's a really important point to make. Um, as long as you feel like what you're doing is genuinely there to help someone and make them better um, or whatever you're selling is, is, is that then, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with selling that item and you don't have to be passionate about it, but you have to be knowledgeable. I think that's another key point that Absolutely. you picked out. And as well for a lot of newer sales people or older experienced ones, uh, a lot of people have trouble finding clientele. Um, you know, they don't know how to fill up their pipeline with leads or, or generate leads. Um, so from your point of view, you know, what should people really focus on when it comes to getting and finding clients? So I would say like in the beginning also, when I became completely independent, I would struggle with this. But I found out that by letting people know what you do, and I'm not trying to tell you to sell your friends and family, but by letting people know what you actually do and being public about it and putting it on your social media and just let people know what you do, then, you know, eventually you're going to get referrals and people are going to come to you or people are going to say, oh, hey, I know somebody who, who can do press or get you an article, Louis can, or hey, I know uh, that plumber, you know, he this my my uncle Bob. So if you, if rather than be inverted about what you do and keep it quiet, and say, you know, oh, I'm going to put in Facebook ads. And, and I'm not saying that's bad, right? But you can still build organic sales by just letting people know what you do and providing value for people. And once you actually have a customer, one of the ways I do is when I have a client, um, hey, I tell them, hey, do you know anybody else who would really enjoy or want the same kind of service or two or three people? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I know so-and-so. And so -and -so. I'm, I can't tell you how many times I've, over the years that's happened. Without, and then let's face it, also back in the day, we've, we've had people who were millionaires and billionaires, they didn't have Facebook ads or Instagram ads or the social media, and they still made tons of money. 
based on the same thing, based on references from people that they know or people just knowing what they do. So if anybody's struggling in the beginning, they don't have money to invest in ads, they don't know what to do, I would say just be public about it, tell people what you do and be consistent about it. You know, it takes a human being at least six or seven times to see the same thing before they actually want to make a purchase or they want to move forward or anything. And we think about things as human beings two to three times. Like even if you want to get up and get a glass of water, you're like, oh, I'm going to go get a glass of water. Okay, yeah, I'm going to do it in a second. You're, okay, I'm going to go get it now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like you, got, you go through a process and we do that process in everything in life. So the more people hear about you, see you, you know, don't expect them to be like, hey, yeah, I sell insurance or I'm in real estate, you know on that first time, you know, you're gonna have to remind people, not annoyingly, but, you know, put it out there, let people know, and, you know, go through your contacts, even text people, hey, I'm doing this, do you think anybody you know might want it? And, you know, you're not trying to sell them, you're trying to sell someone, and maybe they want it, you know, you didn't go out and, and bother them and say, hey, you wanna buy this from me? You said, do you know anybody who would be interested in this service? So I think uh, using the warm leads of people you already know in your inner circle and, just spreading and people have thousands of friends now thousands of people on social media so it's a lot easier than it was before so i'd be very vocal about what you do so that people can naturally come to you that's a fantastic point to make and and alongside you know uh, running ads also uh having content and building a brand is important as well especially nowadays uh online and given how everyone is mostly at home and not out and about um for for any business owner or anyone in sales in terms of the content creation side of things uh you know i feel like most people have trouble being consistent with it um but also they have trouble just talking about what they do because i feel like they don't necessarily feel like their sphere or their friends are going to be interested in, you know, 10 pieces of content on real estate if they're not looking to buy. So from your point of view, uh, how should one approach the content creation side of things and how much personal and how much professional should they mix and match and, and mingle together? Yeah. So you got a lot of people that say uh, on social media, on their content, if you're business, you should only be business. And other people say, you should, um, you know, have a personal, me personally, I share whatever I think is on my mind because I want to be genuine. So if I want to, you know, show somebody I'm flying a kite with my son, which if you go on Instagram, you'll see I'm doing that. I think it also humanizes people for them to see that I'm a real person because sometimes people hit you up, hit you up on DM and you're like, is this, is this a real person? Or is this a scammer? What's going on here? You know, like building an Instagram or content that's genuine reflecting who you are. I think it's really good. Uh, I think that will help you in the long run. And not to think so much, you know, just to put it, put it out there, put what you think. Somebody's, whether somebody's going to like it or not, that that's, doesn't matter. It's your content. It's who you are. And I think finding a balance, you know, between obviously like I wouldn't go as far as like, you know, taking pictures of a cupcake you're eating or, you know, Hey, this is delicious. You know, if you want to have a professional brand and content, it's perfectly fine to, to show, um, you know, some of my buddies, they, they're really big on uh, Instagram and they show them with their wives or family and that really humanizes them, you know, or even if they're single, hey, you know, I'm going out here, I'm doing this. Um, I think that's a balance because then people connect. You know, they say that people buy from, especially on the internet, people mm -hmm. they know, like, and trust. So if they know who the hell you are, not just your post about, you know, just the same thing over and over again, but they like you because they see your content and they trust you because they've seen you on lives, they see you on videos, they actually know who you are. 
then they're more likely to convert in the long run. It's the same thing like I talked about that, you know, six or seven times. So with your content, if you're putting out, you know, <clears throat> about you, about what you're doing, about what you provide, and just, you know, put a lot of, like, Gary Vee is really good at that. You know, Gary, I think, is the godfather of content. Mm. He just puts out every, anything. You know, I had a client, I was talking to him the other day about, he didn't know whether he should build his brand or his company brand. I said, you know, pretty personally, I believe if you build your, your own personal brand, then you can do anything below it. You know, like you can, you can connect anything. Like, let's be honest, if Gary Vee came out with Legos tomorrow, nobody's going to question it, you know, like, fuck, Gary came out with some Legos. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he's put out so much free content and he puts like, he does the most random thing. He does wine and like, nobody questions that. Like he does wine and he does, and he has a sports company. Like it's they're nothing alike, but the, mm. the point is he's built his name and his brand so much that he can put anything in there. And he just, he's just, you know, he just talks about whatever he, he's thinking. Uh, so I think he's the godfather of social media. And I, I would, uh, I'd urge anybody that if you really want to know about content, look at him and just be honest and be yourself. Cause you know, if somebody doesn't like you, they shouldn't be your client anyway. So. I love that. Yeah. Gary V has been uh, definitely a huge inspiration of mine, not only in terms of like the mindset and how to think, but uh, he's a doer too. And, and he's an action taker and you know, he, he does what he says and preaches. So I, I really respect him for that. Um, and also, yeah, I guess just looking at what other successful people are doing, what kind of content they're putting out, um, and just make it lighthearted. Don't overthink it. Just put right. it out there. I think that's the most important thing when Absolutely. it comes to that. And, and so, uh, Louise, for you personally, I mean, you're uh, such a big person when it comes to connecting with influential people. I mean, you've, you've written multiple articles on, on, you know, you know, like I said, Mark Cuban, Bobby Castro, um, Jared too. And, and what's the secret to connecting with these influential people? The secret is there is no secret. <laughs> the secret is you just got to ask and somebody like you've got to ask in a nice way and be uh, consistent on it. Not just once, you know, you can ask in cordially in a, in a proper, nice way. Uh, Mark Cuban has been a mentor of mine. I worked at a nonprofit, so I've had a connection with him for like two years. So that wasn't that difficult. Uh, and, you know, just to talk to, just try like they're, you know, they're human beings, you know, they eat through their mouths and they go, they go potty just like us. You know what I mean? So <laughs> <laughs> they're just like us. They started at one point and, you know, as long as you, you know, you're respectful and you make it a win-win, you know, like, Hey, uh, you're going to be on a, this magazine that has thousands of viewers a day and et cetera, et cetera. Like, like you can't, like you can't go wrong by just asking the most they're going to say is no or not answer you and just follow up. You know, it just takes the balls to try and that's it. They're just, they're just human beings. There's some human beings that have done a little bit more than us and they're in a different timeline than us, but they're just guys, you know, and they're, and most of the guys, the big guys I've dealt with the billionaires and millionaires, have really big hearts and all you gotta do is try to reach out and see if they'll you know, have time. And I want to kind of go deeper into the, the Mark Cuban uh, a, a story. You said you were working nonprofit and you connected with him for, for two years uh, prior. Um, no, 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 no. After yeah. like I worked After. with a nonprofit and then that's how I was it. He, he, uh, he donated money. He, he helps veterans a lot. Right. So yeah. he donates a lot of uh, money to different nonprofits. 
Uh, I was working in a public relations company at the time uh, that was also doing nonprofit work. And so um, same thing. I just, you know, reached out and asked. I mean, he's a nice guy, so he helps veterans. And that's pretty much it. Like you, you, anybody can do anything as long as you try. A lot of people mm -hmm. try to put a lot of barriers up and, and think, um, you know, some people like maybe a little busy, like maybe Jeff Bezos might be a little bit more difficult to, but hey, if you try hard enough, maybe the guy will actually, you know, give you, you know, a couple minutes of his time. Nothing is it, nothing if you, nothing that you put in your mind is really impossible unless you make those barriers. And it just takes to try over and over and over again, like, you know, everything around us, you know, from the microphone you're speaking on the laptop, it, it was trial and error to people to make. So anything that's really worth anything, you got to try. I love that mindset, Louise. And, and for, you know, again, our, our listeners who are maybe in, in their 20s, they, they don't really have a lot of experience or expertise or, or anything that they feel of value to offer. Uh, where, where do they start? How, how can they, they connect with these people? Uh, you know, would it be through Instagram? Would it be through email? And, and kind of what, what would be kind of your value proposition uh, per se, if, if you feel like, oh, like, I, I don't really know what I can do for these people. They're so much more successful than, than I am right now. So, so there's a, so there's a way you could also do like, uh, there's a way you can do like a leverage ladder where basically you leverage one person of influence with another one, et cetera, et cetera. That's something that, um, if you're able to speak to one person and then you can check their following or who they, who, who's their friend or their buddy, like, um, Mark Cuban is good friends with David Hasselhoff. I don't, you're probably too young to know who that guy is, but he was a guy on SpongeBob with the shorts. Anyway, he was a big guy in the 80s, but I was able to connect with him because him and Mark Cuban are friends. So if you find someone that's maybe not as influential as the next person, but they're associated somehow, then you can you know, leverage that and say, hey, I did an interview with him. What about, can you do an interview? So that's one way. And I think also like putting out a lot of stuff like blogging, videos, podcasting, like you'll continue. I see you, you'll continue to grow and grow and you'll reach, uh, you know, you remind me of that one guy when he first started, uh, Omar from the passionate oh, few. The yeah, passionate few. He started to do, you know, he started to do, you know, little by little, then he got grant then he got whoever and he built it, you know, same thing. So you got to start somewhere. So don't be afraid to just, Hey, you do it, you do an interview or an article or a blog on, you know, somebody local in your community. And then that person may be someone higher and there's someone higher before you know it, you don't even know who the hell you get to, you know? So you don't always have to like try to start at the very top. So it, you can, it's, it's a hit or miss if you try enough times, or you can try to do that leverage, you know, be like, I'm putting out content. I'm talking to people around my community or, you know, pastor or uh, coach or somebody, and that person will connect you to another and you can start to build content that way and move up. I love that. Just start somewhere and slowly you'll, you'll get your way to the top or wherever, wherever direction you want to be. Absolutely. And from your point of view, uh, when it comes to press, um, I'm curious to hear kind of your take on the importance of press versus, you know, the social media platforms. Uh, because, uh, you know, you, you definitely, you are, again, you come from a public relations background and, uh, you've done sales before, but you know, nowadays I feel like people kind of don't really know the importance of either. And, and they, they, they feel like more or less like they, 
they don't know where they should focus on or why press, why social media when it comes right. to putting out content. So social media right now in the time we're making this uh, podcast is very big, probably will be for the next five, 10 years. It's a lot of know what they come up with. Um, and social media is just, it's, it's where you gotta be, you know, if you, especially now after COVID, like I think the world has changed forever. I saw something on Zoom, uh, that Zoom is worth even more than all the airlines now that's oh, like 49 yeah. billion. You know, so it's definitely changed the world. If people say it hasn't, it's, they just don't realize it. So it has. So I would say that uh, social media is important. Absolutely is. Even for the, you know, the guys in their 50s and 60s that are still, you know, entrepreneurs like Brian Tracy and all these older guys, they're, they're, they use social media, right? Tony Robbins and all these guys. Uh, and they also use the articles in the press. And the reason that both are, are hand in hand, let's say you're a coach or you're in sales or whatever. One reason is to build authority, you know. People are going to Google you. If they Google you and they don't see anything but your Instagram and your Facebook, then they don't know who the hell you are, right? But when they Google you and they see that you've been in this article and in that, you've been in Medium, you've been in all these different magazines, you've been in Forbes, Entrepreneur, well, that builds authority, right? And the second reason is that long-term, if you build enough following um, and you become a public figure, you want to get verified. And the verification is important because, you know, people can see that if genuinely you are the person that this is, right? And in order for you to get verified, you need to have, you need to have articles. You need to have things that show that publicly you are a person of influence. Uh, because if you don't have those things out, you're not in the news, you're not in the articles, then you're not a person of public interest, right? So there's no reason they're going to verify you. So for the long run, for those two reasons, I think uh, press is important. Uh, establishing your name online. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, that's your resume nowadays. You know, you, you Google somebody, you want to know what's going on with them. You might see their Instagram and see their followers, but if you really want to dig deep, you'll probably go Google them and see what else they've done. Right. So building those articles, combining them with social media, I think is a good leverage for business. Absolutely. And, and again, the, the long-term game of that to be verified and, and having some articles in the press is really important and powerful for you to build authority uh, from your point of view, you know, should someone start building the foundation and, you know, make writing, getting articles written about them and, and being in the press when they're starting off or when is it kind of the, the appropriate time for yeah, There's someone? no, there's no wrong time. It's just do it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because that's also good that people see your journey, you know, uh, mm -hmm. to, if you get articles written on you. Uh, and you know that you're starting a podcast or you're starting your business or you're starting this or you're starting that it starts to establish yourself and you start to crawl as they say on the internet and your SEO starts to go so that way when you get even more articles and then you know maybe you don't have to hire somebody on press maybe then at that point people will approach you uh, after you've been in some of these bigger names like Forbes on Triple maybe start people start coming and speaking to you because they've already looked for you on the internet they already see that you got like eight ten articles and they want to speak to you. So there's no wrong time to do it. The only wrong time is no time not to do anything at all. And from, from your point of view, if uh, our listeners want to be involved in, in, in the press or start down that journey, uh, you said, do you recommend getting uh, someone in PR to, to help them? bridge that relationship with these yeah people. absolutely you should have um you should have somebody to help you if you don't know there's a lot of things you could try to do on your own like blogging for example blogging is good it'll help you get seo going uh posting a lot putting youtube videos on uh to make connections with journalists you can try to do but it's a lot easier to connect when you have um you know somebody that's professionally does it 
and can bridge you know that connection quicker for you you know so whatever you invest in into somebody helping you do it it's actually in the time frame that will take you longer and you can get lost you know so i recommend it highly especially since i do it i recommend it yeah, absolutely. And and you help uh, people connect with Forbes, Entrepreneurs Magazine. and Yeah, sure. You can you can build up to that and you can build articles up until you get to that level. So absolutely. Perfect. And when it comes to, you know, writing a blog, if, if someone wanted to, to start doing that, uh, is the key just to, to put it out there, kind of like social media content? I would recommend at least to have an idea, like sit down with a notepad or paper, really take like an hour or two to figure out what's your end game, right? What is it you want to be known for? What do you want? Because once you put stuff on the internet, it's hard to go back and delete, erase. You know, once it's up, it's up. So I would say like long-term thinking about what's the end goal you want, right? If you want to be known for, you know, the number one real estate agent in your region or the world or whatever, or whatever it may be, then you should kind of plan that out, right? And you can even like write it out, just like affirmation of goals and say, okay, to get to this, I have to get to this, get to that. And then you can start to kind of build the flow of what you want to do. And that way you can arrange your blog to be that way. That way, when you start to write, you start to flow, then it will actually make more sense, right? And then when people go Google you or go check you in like a year, two years, three years, it all kind of makes sense rather than like, you know, if you were like, you know, selling Avon products, like there's nothing wrong with that, but let's say you're doing that and then you jump from that and now you're like a car salesman and then you're in an article about this and people can get lost, right? So mm. if you kind of have that goal and you're kind of flexible with it um, and you kind of have that overall end goal, like, you know, okay, I'm an entrepreneur. I might want to do this or that or whatever. Maybe I should label myself as the entrepreneur uh, of this community or whatever, then, you know, the Latin community or whatever community, that way you have a, a better trend when you go put that stuff in the blogs long-term, right? So that's what I would suggest rather than just go blogging about, you know, I walk my dog or whatever, you know, to have a, 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 an outlook. So when you start putting the subjects in, those things start matching long-term when you get the articles or when you get YouTube videos, even if it's a little bit different, but it'll make more sense rather than be something way off. And personally for you, kind of what is your end goal, Louise? Why do you do what you do? First, I, I love to, I, I love to um, uh, elevate people, right? I really like to elevate people. I find that press uh, is a way that helps people get to their, what they want to do. It elevates them. They get to be in an article and they get to express their story. And that helps them reach another level. Um, and what I do also is part of like selling. I'm selling them, hey, this is why you should do it. And I love to do sales. And uh, I think also selling is, is elevating and servicing people. So I like to, to give people service. I like to elevate people. I like to be of service, right? I, think, I feel like that's my purpose, right? So the reason that I do those things is, is, is for that because I feel as the more value I give people, the more I help them, the more they're going to they're gonna reach their purpose and their fulfillment. And so that's why I do what I do. That's absolutely amazing, Louise. And, and, uh, on that note too, I know you're also involved with TEDx. Uh, you know, yeah, I do a lot of stuff. Huh? <laughs> um, can, can you tell me a little bit more about, uh, you know, how you got started with that and uh, kind of uh, how, how it's been going for you? Sure. So I got like 12% about Let's see if we make it. So, um, so the same thing with working in PR and public relations, 
uh, I did events, right? So I did events for, for veterans. Uh, Mark Cuban was one of the people who, who um, was one of the uh, uh, donators, right? And his foundation donated it. And so I got to work with a lot of celebrities. I would go to LA and I would work with people like uh, this guy, the gentleman's name is David Gale. He's one of the founders of MTV. Uh, so I got to connect with a lot of people quickly uh, that they were working these charitable donations and these charitable things and then we would make events. And then I, I met another gentleman who did also events um, and he got a lot of celebrities and they were all for a cause, right? So I came back to Puerto Rico and I really want, before I got here actually, I, uh, I was in San Diego. So I started to figure, I said, I want to also make an event to help my island. Um, and I, I, but how can I make something from scratch? Because that the, the company I was telling you about, Pump PR, they were for years, right? But how can I make something from scratch, from zero, and still pull in big names and people to actually see in the media and news? So the biggest platform for speaking on stage is TED, right? And so they have TEDx, which is independent events. And so I, I went out and I saw it. it, took me about a year to get the application approved and everything, another year for planning. So it takes about two years. But point is, that's the reason I did TEDx because everybody, most everybody, if they don't know, go Google it and you'll see how big a deal it is. You know, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and all these high people speak on TED. And so for people to speak on TED, it really elevates their, you know, their name and their brand. And these TEDx events help pull people from the community to, you know, to, to people pay attention, right? So that's the reason that I ventured and did and started to do TEDx events because when there's a, when you really want people to pay attention rather than I would to do, you know, an article or, or sorry, uh, an event with something else with no name, then that's what the reason I did that. And you said the process took about two years to get everything. Yeah. Yeah. So about two years it took. Wow. That's amazing. That, that's, that's amazing. And again, it's just another means for, for you to be able to connect with people. And that's, that's, that's kind of, I, I see the, kind of the theme um, for you, Louise, in terms of how you're able to kind of elevate yourself is you kind of become almost like a connector of whether it's your charitable cause and people want to donate or, you know, you want to impact your community, but you also want to help bring on big names that can help them push their brand as well through TEDx. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like when you align yourself, that's another reason that people get in Forbes on When you align yourself with these brands that are already high end or people know them, then it's a lot easier for you to be able to do things, right? It's a lot easier for you when you when you align yourself with a brand that's already out there rather than starting from zero, you know, and nobody knows who you are, right? So when you get to piggyback off of these, you know, in these articles or even in these events, these names that already exist and people already know who they are. Like, for example, like somebody gets an article in Forbes, like everybody and their mom's congratulating them. You know, if they get to speak on a TEDx, everybody's like, wow, congratulations. Rather than if I told them, Hey, I put you in, uh, in, in my event, it's named, you know, Teddy bear or something. I don't know. That's an off name that I'm starting from zero. Yeah. And so people aren't so impressed, but when they see that you, you elevate yourself, and you put yourself at the same level with these higher end brands and names, it's easier for you to be able to, um, you know, to get just the same with interviewing people or, or whatever. If you put yourself next to, then it's easier to scale, right? Than starting from zero. So your viewers or your listeners who want to try um, and they don't know where I would say, try to find a brand or something that they can align themselves with, right? Whether it's Ted, whether it's, you know, anything, and that way they can start to piggyback off of it and start to grow. So that's really the, what, I don't know if it's a secret, but this is one of the 
it's not a secret because if you actually pay attention, you, you know, you see that's what people do. Mm. But this is what people do, right? A lot of people do that with Tony Robbins, right? Like, if you had, if you never seen somebody ever, and all of a sudden they were speaking on a Tony Robbins stage, well, if you didn't know him from yet yesterday or two seconds ago, now you know him. Now he, now you know who he is, right? Because he spoke on Tony Robbins, or he's with Tony Robbins. So putting yourself next next to those people or those brands or those things, you know, instantly helps you elevate yourself. That's absolutely powerful, you know, and I'm glad you, you kind of dove into that on a deeper level. Um, if you were to do it all again, going back to when you're 18, 19, would there be anything that you would do differently? So I would have checked, but it didn't exist as much as it does now. Okay. I would have checked the internet more. But at the time when I was 18, it was 2001, right? So nothing really was going on. I don't remember when Instagram came out. I think Instagram came out, what, 2010 maybe? I think so, yeah. When it become maybe, like, yeah. yeah, really more present online. Yeah, people are yeah, using yeah, yeah. So, the, so a, lot of the, a lot of the things that are going on, really going on now, uh, the only thing I would have like, would have tried to jump on social media, the internet, when it was really starting to boom. But back then I didn't know anything about it. And when I was 18, nobody, you know, I remember using Yahoo Messenger back then. Um, and, you know, there was no smartphones until later on, you know, until like 2010 that I had the first iPhone uh, 3 or something. So if the internet existed, I would have jumped on the internet sooner uh, because it's, you know, there's billions of people on the internet, even more now. Even, even now after this whole COVID thing, people are more on the internet. That's the only thing I really try to do different. Jump on the internet sooner. I love that. And for our listeners listening, whether they're young, old, uh, regardless of what they do, uh, given the current circumstances and the technology that we're blessed to have today, uh, Louise, if, if people want to build their brand online, uh, you know, given the fact that we've talked about uh, creating content, we talked about online ads, we talked about doing a blog, YouTube video, podcasts, and, and also about press. Uh, what would kind of be the, I guess, the game plan that, that, that people should yeah. have? So I would say, like, especially if it's a, they're starting from zero, they don't know anything, I think especially starting to post more on their Facebook and mm-hmm. their social media, Instagram, um, and getting used to that and getting used to, you know, putting their name out there. That's step one, especially for SEO and to build everything. That's where it all starts. When you really, when you search for somebody, that's the first thing that comes up is their social media account. Everything is linked to that. So that's the step one I would take. Um, and from there, you know, I would say uh, YouTube as much as you can. And if you don't know what to create, you can, you know, record what you're doing in the process and use that as content. And it doesn't have to be the best content in the world, but as long as you put your name on it and you throw it up on the internet, it's going to connect to your Facebook, right? So now you got Facebook, you got Instagram and Twitter and YouTube all with your name. So that's helping you, right? To build. And then I would say then you could figure out if you, if you have a company or a personal brand or whatever, get into articles and, and all that also would help to build. So, I mean, people, you, if you actually go on Instagram or your I Google myself every single day to see how my SEO is doing. I don't know if that's crazy, but I do. I Google myself, check everything, check my articles, see what's linked, see what's not linked. But if you put a YouTube video on and you Google it in five minutes or less, it's already on the internet. So it doesn't take, yeah, it doesn't take long for you to build these things. 
you know, in less than a week, you can already have all these things going and then move on to articles. It's not like you need to spend months on it. And it's not like your content has to be perfect. Um, there's a lot of these celebrities. I don't know. I forget this guy's name. He has long hair. I don't know. I remember his name, but this guy has millions of viewers, super famous. He's like English or something, but he just, he just pulls his phone out and just does, does whatever, you know, and, and puts it on the internet. He has plenty of followers, more genuine and everything, you know? So mm. don't strive for perfection. Just start something because it's not too late until it's over, you know? So Love it, Luis. Thank you so much again, you know, for taking the time to be on the podcast today and sharing your journey of serving, you know, United States and, and the near death experiences and how that we <laughs> went through all of it. huh? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing how, how you're able to really turn that energy into fuel to kind of propel you forward to, to what you're doing right now. And, you know, you seem to be really passionate about what you do about elevating and helping people. Um, last but not least, Louise, where can people find you? How can people connect with you? And what do you have going on in your life right now? So the fastest way to find me is to go to Instagram, because that's where I'm always at all the time. And uh, I don't know if you can see this, but it's uh, Louis. It's L-U-I-S. And my middle name is Jorge, J-O-R-G-E, Rios, R-I-O-S, right? Louis Jorge Rios. Um, and what I'm working on now, I'm doing, uh, I'm helping people because I wrote a book a long time ago uh, for, for military guys about how to sell. So now I'm just doing coaching, a lot of coaching, uh, group coaching, helping guys learn uh, from zero how to sell um, and how to build personal brands also and how to get in articles and stuff like that. So if people want press, they can reach out to me. If they want to learn about sales, they can reach out to me. Um, so that's what I'm doing on Instagram. I'm hanging out there all the time. Uh, it's on my phone. I got another phone. So it's always on there. So. It, you know, people, if they have a question and I have the answer, I'm more than happy to, you know, tell them what I know and, and see if we can work together. And if not, take the free info and, and I wish you the best. So. And thanks again, Louise. Really appreciate it, brother. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you for listening to the On The Rise podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. The music composition and vocals is done by Graham Best. Your host, of course, is the property shark, Mr. John Lee. Have a wonderful day, and we will, of course, see you next time on our way to the top. Cheers. Cheers.